After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, welcome back to the 90th percentiles. Your host, Jeff Ponce. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Matt Pajak. I'm going to let you talk in the opening this time because we don't have a guest this week. We're wrapping things up in 2023 with a fun, goofy end-of-year show. we got some fun topics to discuss. Uh, but, Matt, how's it going, man? How's your Christmas shopping going? Uh, the Christmas shopping's done. If you're listening to this, you're going to love this episode because we're just going to banter. It's going to be like our sandwich talk, but just for like a little bit longer <laughs> and extended and about other things, too. So um, happy holidays to everybody listening. I have uh, got all my Christmas shopping done and I'm getting ready to hop in a car and drive across the country to North Carolina. So I'm looking forward to that. Santa Claus is coming to town. All the gifts are packed or are wrapped. They're going to be in the the back of the RAV4. Hightailing it across Kansas. Cops, if you see me, don't pull me over. You're going to ruin Christmas. No, I'm not going to speed. We can't be promoting speeding. Is it kid? You're out west, man. Your speed limits are fairly high, so you're probably going to be good until you hit like a certain point, right? I don't know where this. I've never driven across country, so where do the speed limits start to start to to drop a little bit? Because I can remember being in Arizona, man. There's like 75 mile per hour speed limits, and I'm like, all right, let's let's cook. Hey, Denver's mostly 70 on the highways. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's mostly. 55 65 in massachusetts i'm not even sure about 65 everyone drives 75 80 but <laughs> yeah i remember the first time i saw a 70 outside of massachusetts i was like whoa the number gets bigger <laughs> <laughs> exactly um no but bef- before we uh hit record here i was about to start ranting on something and you know jeff i think at some point in your life you were a collector of, of baseball cards and i grew up collecting baseball cards it kind of all went hand in hand you played baseball you watched baseball you collected baseball cards you played wiffle ball in the backyard with your friends like all of those things were just you you squished them together and you know once a year go with my cousin and my grandma over to uh there's a like a church convention center like behind the church there's like a like the the center community center whatever in the, in the church and they would do a card show. And I just had so many fond memories of, you know, going in there, ripping through boxes of, you know, $1 cards, whatever, and, and trying to find what, so I, I collected cards growing up. All right. I got a lot of fond memories of that. You and I talked about this, uh, a couple weeks ago, the price of Bowman Chrome and just the price of the hobby in general. And let me tell you yesterday, just out of curiosity, I hopped on YouTube and I watched someone rip through a case of Bowman Chrome HGA or HTA, whatever it is. Basically what it is, it's the new Bowman Chrome. Well, not Bowman Chrome. It's Bowman Draft. The new Bowman Draft came out 
it was an eight box case. So it was like a $3,600 case. No, six box case, $3,600, $600 a box. And each box only had three cards in it, three autographs. So there were no inserts, no filler cards, nothing. You were paying for three cards. And Jeff, when I tell you that this dude opened up $3,600 worth of this product and didn't hit a single card that is going to be worth right now $100 or more, and in the future, maybe $50 or more, Jeff, it's a scam. I mean, I don't, I don't know any other way to tell you. They, they seeded Tom Brady into the product, and it drove the price of boxes and cases up. And that's what everyone's chasing. And it's completely driven out the common man who wants to collect, you know, this draft class. Yeah. And I think uh, we talked about this, obviously. And I fall into the uh, the common man in this particular scenario, um, dating back to probably 2017, 2018. I, I had bought a box of, of Bowman Chrome as, as early as I knew it is, existed. And I think like once my son hit like five, my oldest son hit like five, six years old, you know, I started buying cards and I was writing about baseball at that point. Um, cards were much more accessible. You could go into Target and get Bowman boxes and whatever. And you'd walk in like on a Friday morning. I can remember like walking in before before work, having to grab a couple things for lunch or something and being like, oh, hey, look at this. Yeah, all right. I'll buy a box of these or, you know, a blaster for, you know, 15, 20 bucks. I'd buy a couple of them and we'd open them up and I got, you know, Acuna rookies and all that sort of stuff. As soon as I knew that Bowman draft existed, I started buying boxes every Christmas. So for about five years straight, I, I bought a box of Bowman Chromes. Uh, and I think the last year it was the big jumbo packs. Um, and so we'd sit here and I would, you know, the kids would have their toys right at the end of Christmas, last box I'd open. I knew what it was. It was a gift to myself. I'd open it up. You know, we'd go through the cards. I'd put it in the book. Got a ton of awesome stuff uh, over the years. Had some decent hits. Nothing crazy. But for me, I did it because it was a nice, like, walk down memory lane with the kids of a lot of players we had seen on the Cape. And, like, they may not necessarily remember them. But, you know, there's certain guys. Like, if 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 I get a box in a couple of years – my eight-year-old will be, you know, 10 at the time. He's going to remember Travis, Travis Pizzani, you know. Um, he's going to remember some of these guys. He's more into it than my older son was. I can't, I, I can't justify going out and spending $450 for a box. It used to be $150, $200. We talked about this, $250 maybe. I remember the last year I bought it, it was maybe $300. And it was like, that was my breaking point. It was like, all right, like, I don't buy much for myself all year long. This is one thing. And I know that maybe I'll hit a card and be able to sell it. And I don't think I bought it in the last two years and I won't buy it this year. I might buy a couple of packs or something like that just to have a few and see what I hit on. But it's, it's, it's so expensive that I haven't bought a lot of cards. Most of the stuff that I buy now is just like my youngest son's personal collection or, um, you know, I, I bought like during the pandemic in 2021, I bought a lot of older stuff that I had always wanted when I was a kid, like all Bo Jackson's rookie cards, all the Jose Canseco's, uh, all Nolan Ryan's. I have pretty much all, I have every Nolan Ryan card except for his first three years with the Mets that are just priced out of my, my range. I can't afford a rookie card. And the other ones are kind of like $300, $400. And it's like, eh, it's not really what I'm looking for. So um, yeah, I mean, I kind of went to old cards and it was funny because I think this is part of it too, is how things go in cycles. Some of those Consecos, those Jackson's Roger Clemens, rookie cards, some of that stuff. They were all like a hundred dollars when I was a kid. Like that was something you looked at in the case and were like, that's more money than I can spend. 
And now it's like those cards. I bought Clemens rookie card that was graded for 20 bucks, you know, <laughs> 2020. Um, all those Conseco cards are cheap as hell. The Jack Bo Jackson cards are super cheap, you know, and it was like the rejection to like all that, that wax era, um, which is honestly the stuff that I, I probably like the most, like the seventies cards to me are the best cards that are ever made. I love the variants and designs. Some of them are funky. Some of them are really ugly, um, but it's unique. And it's like every set is very unique in how it's laid out. And um, well, I think that's I feel like I gravitate toward now, which is why like I'll buy the MILB heritage boxes every couple of years. And that's kind of replaced my, my Bowman draft. I do think that that's the hole in the hobby right now is like the, the hall of fame player that like people aren't thinking about. And it's because there's only so much money to go around. And when they've mass produced hundreds of thousands of Corbin Carroll rookie autographs, cause it's like every week, a new product comes out that has a Corbin Carroll image variation, this, that, whatever stamp of the rookie card. They're still put, like Adley Rushman had, hundreds of thousands of rookie autograph cards this year and he had some last year too i mean it's just like there's such an oversaturation of those top players and it's still impossible to get into any of those cards because people pull them and then they list them on ebay for thousands of dollars but jeff i want to throw this out there and then and then we'll move on to other topics right two of my buddies joe domango ryan callen a couple of bryant bulldogs back in the northeast they're big time collectors all right callen is a huge Braves fan. So that's all he collects is Braves. And he is he is very, well, it's Braves, Bo Bichette, and, and Flaggero Jr. But he is very stubborn in that he's not in this in this hobby to like flip cards or whatever. He's literally just in this hobby to collect players and, and Braves that he likes. And that's it. Okay. So Topps Museum Collection is like four mini boxes. It's like a $400, $450 box. Okay. And he bought this card on eBay for $430. Okay, so this is about the price of a box. Okay. And, and, and this is just an absolute banger of a card. Okay. It's a Chipper Jones Ronald Acuna book card. Autoed, number to 10, both jumbo three colored game used patches those are game used it's not like the other nonsense that they're putting into cards where it's like event worn or in some sure. cases whatever is going on in the hobby these days those are, are two large three color game used patches chipper jones a hall of famer ronald acuna the mvp this year numbered to 10 and he bought it on ebay in the ebay seller after fees and taxes and whatever else is losing money on the box they pulled that out of. State of the hobby. Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway. Yeah, there you go. Little card talk, talking cards. Little card talk. Yeah, I am. Uh, go I am, there I am very much. Stuff. I've I've flipped a couple of cards, but it's only because I couldn't believe how much somebody would pay me for the cards. So I was like, well. If you will pay me $2,000 for this uh, autographed Jordan Walker refractor, sir, I will gladly sell that to you and use that $2,000. Uh, you got to take advantage house. of the prospect type. I mean, it's criminal what what happened to people who bought into Jason Dominguez a couple of years ago because Jason Dominguez is still a really, really, really good prospect. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a chance to be a really good big leaguer, but he'll never be worth what he was worth in that moment when they called him the Martian. And he could be a Cunha this year. 
and I'm not sure that that fully meets the expectations because he'd have to do it for like six years. <laughs> he would have to be the greatest player of all time. That was the expectation based upon the prices that were on those cards. Um, it's insane. Yeah, it's just it's blown up. I think it goes in cycles. It was the same way at a certain point in the early 90s, and then it dissipated, and you were able to buy boxes for nothing. Like I can remember in college, I was shocked at the price of an upper deck uh, basketball box. It was 2003 after the draft or 2004. I went and I bought the LeBron. It was a senior in college. I went and bought the LeBron James box and was like, there's, there were a bunch of inserts cause he was a, a spokesperson for upper deck. And, you know, I got some rookie cards. I got Dwayne Wade rookie card, Chris Bosh, you know, everybody was in that trash mellow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was worth it for me, but I like the prices weren't any different than they had been like 10 years earlier. Um, you know, buying at the same store I would go to with my grandma, my Vavo. My Vavo would buy me 10 packs of cards a week. She would go to this little convenience store like five, six miles from her house that had a huge selection. And she would just ask the guy what the hot stuff was and she would just fill up on it. And I had so many hockey cards, basketball, baseball, football stuff. That would be my Sunday. She'd come over. We'd have Sunday dinner. We'd watch football. I'd be after like a hockey game or something. I'd open up cards. We'd eat, you know. I looked through my cards. So that was my connection with it. Um, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, on that thought, I, I do want to throw this out there and then we'll, and then we'll move it along. Uh, shout out to my dad. He used to go to the gas station and fill up on Saturday mornings. And if they had a, a, a box of cards on the counter, he would grab three or four packs for me. And, and this one time he bought like three or four packs of like 2003 top series two football. And there was a beautiful Steve Smith, Carolina Panthers on card autograph in there. Like just an absolute like pristine card. Like looked great. The autograph was clean the whole nine. I traded at some point a couple years later and I went through this phase a couple years ago where I was like, let me take all these cards I had when I was a kid that I don't have anymore and see if I can get them back. I can't get it back. It's it's now like a $400 card. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, yeah, I, uh, I have cards at my parents' house that someday I'm going to find. Like, I have a Shaquille O'Neal upper deck rookie card. It was an awesome card. I had, so we opened up the pack, and it was one of these where um, you got like a uh, you got like a card that you had to fill out and then mail in, and then they would mail you back the rookie card. So I, got, I pulled one of those in front of the corner store. It was called Macmore at the end of my road. We rode our bikes down there. We played pinball. We'd buy cards and like eat candy outside and like open up the packs like right, you know, right outside on the curb, like look through them. And uh, I got that. It was like, I remember like I like packed it in and like booked it home and like was like, mom, it was like the summer. I was like, mom, we got to mail this in now. It was like the whole focus of my day. And I have it like in a screw plastic somewhere. I don't know where it is. That card is with a koozie rookie card. This is this is crazy, and then um, a Tom Brady rookie card. It was like a score football Brady rookie, because um, they didn't make it in two thousand one, so it was in the next year set. Because obviously he wasn't even on the radar when they printed the two thousand one set. Um, so I had that one, and like the the crazy thing with that koozie rookie is, I was cleaning up my grandmother's basement when I was twelve, and I was cleaning through this box, and I opened up this book. And I found the entire 1957 Topps basketball set. Topps didn't make another basketball set until 1969. So this was like Kuzi, Heinsohn, 
Russell. I had two Bill Russell rookie cards. I sold one of them during the pandemic for a few thousand dollars. <laughs> I had two and was like, why don't I just sell one of these? It's like it was blowing up, ungraded. They were kind of in rough shape, but like it was such a rare set that like I could send it to you after this. Like I have everybody from that set. Bob Pettit was another Hall of Famer that was in that. And the teams are wild. The Syracuse like uh nationals, the Kansas City Royals are a team. The Lakers were still in Minneapolis, um, Philadelphia Warriors. So it's like, it's very, it's very, it's like, it's like a year or two after the shot clock. So like, it's early, early modern basketball. It's the coolest set. I found that and I found a Gale Sayers rookie card that had a hole in it. Which if I, if that card was even like a three, that thing is probably worth I, I have to Yeah, but Jeff, doesn't that just say it all about what the hobby used to be? Like, oh, it, it, my it's father like, was like, my father was like, dude, I had, he's like, I had Mickey Mantle cards that I put on like the spokes of my bike because I wanted to have Mickey Mantle be my bike spokes because I thought it was so cool. It was like, Mickey yeah, and Mantle I was doing that with first edition Pikachu back yeah. in uh, <laughs> the early 2000s. So <laughs> I could feel that pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's, it's all very funny, but all right. Hey, what we're talking, we're talking a little bit about, uh, end of year stuff. we got some superlatives here. Hey, it's a holiday season. We're talking tradition. The hobby is yeah. tradition for a lot of people. If you're listening to this and, and you want to send us pictures of your favorite cards from your youth or, you know, whatever that is on, on Twitter, you know, definitely hit us up. Yeah. Drop us a line. Let us know. Jeff, um, worst baseball trends 2023. Mm, there's uh there's quite a bit. Um, you know what I think the worst baseball trend though, it was an it was more a narrative than anything else, but it was people believing that regular season teams had to win the playoffs or the playoffs were not a success. That was the thing that stuck out in my mind, is the thing that probably bothered me the most. Is it was like why even play the playoffs? It was almost as everyone everyone wanted to be like the Premier League, just play the regular season, and then I don't know. I guess we'll play the Champions League afterward. I'm not sure. Yeah, fast forward to like right now, and it's like everyone just wanting to anoint the 49ers as Super Bowl champions. You know what I mean? Like nobody else has a shot. Hey, homie, I, I was doing that. I was doing that in September, October. I thought, they yeah, were the team yeah. I mean, realistically, it's probably the 49ers. If they stay healthy, if their skill guys go down, we saw that earlier in the year, what they look like. So you got to have the freaks. You got to have Devo. You got to have Ayak. You got to have Kittle. You got to have McCaffrey. Everybody's got to be rolling. And their offensive line's got to be healthy because they got some studs up there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Brock Purdy has a very nice setup. Yeah, he's got a nice setup, and the Eagles are skidding, and the Cowboys laid an absolute egg to the Bills, and I mean, nobody really knows what's going on in the AFC, so it probably is the Niners. But I agree with you 100%, Jeff. I think it was very rude of a lot of people in baseball media to get upset about the fact that the best regular season teams weren't playing deep into the postseason. Like, you know, there's this whole thing where it's like, you know, just just let us get in. I mean, you think about the – Jeff, think about the Rockies back in, what was that, 07? Rocktober, they had to win some absurd amount of games in September to even make the playoffs, and then they swept their way all the world, all the way to the World Series, and then they got swept. But like, that was fun baseball for the the state of Colorado and for Rockies fans. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like even uh, the Sox in 04, they were kind of floundering in the middle of the year, 
had a great second half, rolled in. The Marlins in 03 were, I believe, below 500 um, going into the second half. I think they made a might have made a manager switch, if I remember correctly. It's been a while. I'm old. And while. they rolled in the second half and won the World Series. The Giants in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. The Patriots were 18-0. and 0, And the Giants had to play their way in. They had to scrap and claw. And I think there's something to be said for that with the Rangers, with the Diamondbacks, both teams that had to scrap and claw their way in. They were playing playoff baseball before playoffs had started. And sometimes I think, you know, maybe that's the issue with the buy. Maybe the buy to an extent can be uh, a disruptor. I don't know, you know. Um, baseball is a game of timing. It's different than other sports. Football, it's certainly a benefit getting some rest. I would even say in basketball, it's probably a, a you know, with the amount of games you play and just the, you know, the amount of uh, physical activity you have in a given game, the rest is big. It's the same in hockey. You know, you get a week off to practice and, you know, guys, especially in, in that game are playing with bumps and bruises late into the season, just like it is in football. Not that they're not in baseball, but I do think it's just a little bit different, right? It's a matter of getting your timing going and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that was probably the trend that I, uh, I, I, uh, I dislike the most. I think there's been some other stuff that's kind of bled over from other years where the isolation of aesthetically pleasing pitches and people saying, you hear it a lot with curveballs, right? Like a guy in college has this big breaking curveball. It looks great on the gifts. It looks good on the pitching ninja gifts. And then the application of it in pro ball, it's like all of a sudden three years later, that same pitch that everybody was raving about is like his fourth pitch. You know, you hear it all the time. That's another thing just in social media wise that gets me going sometimes that it's like, yeah, it looks really cool, but you can also see that coming in and adjust to it. Like, you know, no doubt. Yeah. I I think you went in a different direction than I did on this. Uh, Hundred dollar batting gloves is my number one. Ooh, yeah, you're I, closer look, to that side of things than I am at this point. My son yeah. is still too young for me to be spending big. Look, money. Franklin batting gloves anywhere from twenty five to fifty dollars has been the gold standard for a long time. Like big leaguers, college players, high school players, whatever it is. Like it, the the guys in the big leagues weren't wearing a hundred dollar batting gloves. They were wearing. The high end Franklin, which was like forty to fifty dollars for a pair, okay, like <laughs> My there God. was nothing wrong with that. And then, like, I look, I appreciate high quality things, okay. I, you know, I I always appreciated my uh, Rawlings Heart of the Hide glove, the Pro Preferred. I know it's an even better type of leather. There was something about like having a high quality glove on my hand, but now we're in we're in this world where. We've normalized 100 to $125 pairs of batting gloves. Um, and they're made out of, you know, the finest leather, this, that, whatever. And I think it just, it feeds into every conversation we've had this year involving the exposure funnel and just pricing people out of the game. Cause like, that's, what's cool. If you're not wearing that particular batting glove, then you're not on trend. And if you're not on trend, then you're not cool. So, um, $100 batting gloves gets a big thumbs down for me. Uh, and then an honorable mention here is the trend of committing to LSU. <laughs> <laughs> Signing with the Dodgers. Um, the batting gloves thing is interesting. My father would not buy me batting gloves in, like when I was playing. I had to actually buy my own batting gloves. 
He was like, ah, you should just swing without batting gloves and toughen up your hands. <laughs> I had so I still probably have scars from like the blisters I have from playing baseball, just like right here. Bat, batting gloves were not a necessity for me for me either. Guys, yeah, it, it was it was considered a bit of a luxury. There were not a lot of guys that I played little league with that were wearing batting gloves. It became much more common once I got to like Babe Ruth. Like yeah, where I played, we were sharing helmets, we were sharing bats. No, one yeah, we did. We short helmets, bats, pretty much. Uh, sometimes, like I think, like. I might have gotten an Easton bat when I was like 12, you know. I got hand-me-downs from my cousin. And I think that was just to like use at the house. I needed to have a bat to swing with, you know. Um, yeah. So I was I was the oldest. I was the only boy on uh, on my uh, my father's side, which is the local family. And the others were, were younger than me or much, much older than me. And my older cousin's bats would not – would have been like 10 years old by the time I got them. So – that wasn't gonna work, but yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't even, I, I didn't even have batting gloves, and like, it's funny because I buy my son, youngest son, batting gloves every year, and he's got like the Francisco Lindor model gloves, and they were like thirty bucks, and they have like gold trim on, they're all black, and it's you know the classic Franklin batting glove that I see players wearing. <laughs> and I, I, mean, I have baseball. like this nostalgia when I see the Franklin batting glove that like that's the batting glove. Like I don't think a Franklin is like this high end baseball brand. But I think of it as like the quintessential batting glove. Yeah, right? I think there's certain companies that make a thing and they've been able to make that thing and not deviate from it too much. I mean, they it's make like Kleenex and other stuff around it because they're local to Massachusetts. So they yeah, actually Franklin make batting gloves is like Kleenex to tissues. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it's one of those things. But yeah, anytime you see Jeff, just for future reference, you go to Dick's Sporting Goods. The next time you go there, go down the, the aisle with the batting gloves and you go pick up a a thing of Bruce Bolt and, and you check the price tag. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe because my son's so young, I, I didn't see him when I was looking at him. Cause I usually look at baseball equipment every time I go into Dick's and I go in fairly often. So, uh, interesting. Right, I had like a, it was earlier this year. I was in Dick's with, um, Jackson Campbell mm-hmm. and, and, uh, he was like looking at a bat or whatever. So I was with Jackson and Sean and, they were looking at a bat and I'm walking down the aisle and I'm looking at the Bruce Bolt gloves because I'd never seen them in, in person. So I was like, right, I'm going to like pull them out, you know, you know kind of give them the rundown or whatever. And there's these two kids that are probably in like middle school and they're, they're also looking at them and they're trying them on whatever. And I looked at them. I had a, I had an old man yells at clouds moment. I said, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be paying more than $40 for batting gloves until you're playing in the big leagues. <laughs> I walked away. <laughs> i'm sorry like i've got nothing against bruce bolt uh just just in general as a comment i don't know anything about him uh but i'm i am against hundred dollar batting gloves especially for kids it's just it's insane but yeah honorable mention committing to lsu i feel like whether it's out of the transfer portal um or you know out of high school it's like all the guys that waited to commit it's like you guys are all aren't all gonna play there there's there's nine spots on the diamond <laughs> all right so <laughs> enjoy that nil money it's great but i like the idea of those guys going and playing somewhere as a freshman as opposed to maybe seeing the field as a sophomore yeah yeah no i uh yeah, what lessons did you learn in 2023 what lessons um i think my We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's a lot. Uh, I think one of them <laughs> is to not ignore body types with pitchers. Um, I got in this phase for a few years where I really liked like the Jack Leiter types, these shorter six foot right handers that had, you know, um, outlier approach and plane on their fastball, like vertical approach angle because they're so small and they can have more vertical arm slots. Those guys don't hold up to the rigors of starting pitching. And uh, it's been proven time and time again. There's certainly outliers. Um, but I think it's something that I'm more cognizant of than I had been previously. Um, and that might be a little bit of an old school type of philosophy, a more standard way to look at it. Um, but now I kind of try to look for somebody that has that size and can marry those traits and do unique things and have that physicality that's needed in order to be successful. And I think some of that has been tied into our conversations about more often about position players, but just that size matters and size matters in terms of um, context of athleticism to that particular size and how that applies to certain skills and even projection on a baseball field. So I think that was my biggest lesson. Um, There's other things I've learned too, of course, but that was, uh, that was one. Yeah, I've got a, a nice little collection of four or five, and they're not baseball related. All right. I thought about this for about five to 10 minutes, and I was like, I didn't learn any lessons in 2023. And I got up, I walked away, I came back, and I'm like, I learned a ton of lessons in 2023. So, first and foremost, uh, if you freeze a lasagna, noodle integrity is lost when frozen. Okay, so if you're freezing pasta in any capacity, you just it's it's not as good as if it's fresh. I mean, that should be a no brainer, but you lose the noodle integrity. Okay, so uh, if if you make a nice you go through the effort of making a nice lasagna, just eat it fresh. Okay, so I would say that's bad. It's just, you know, it's a texture thing. Uh, Don't book Orange County. For a Monday because Ipono's closed. Shout out to Ipono. Got the Ipono hat on today. Hawaiian street food. 
Costa Mesa, California. They're closed on Mondays. Immaculate Eats. You don't want to be in Orange County on a Monday because if you're hungry, you can't go to Ipono. Uh, so we make sure that we book for Thursday and Fridays now. Anyway, uh, this is another food take here. This is local to Denver. There's a spot called Carreras, and they do the best California burritos. In fact, I had one yesterday because I'm heading out of town, and I wanted to close my Denver food year on a high note. Um, no late lunches at Carreras. They are closed 2 to 4 every day. So they're open from... 11 to 2 and then from 4 to whenever but if you roll on there at 205 which for a lot of people is a pretty common time for a late lunch you're shit out of luck every single day no burrito for you okay so plan accordingly all right on the subject of planning accordingly don't f around with toll roads they're expensive okay so don't be lazy plan in advance if you're going to hit traffic and don't get banged for $40 to take a toll road two ways. All right. And then the last one, this one comes from Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And I think this is something that probably would show up on a fortune Stoic, cookie. Stoic Matt. Yeah, Stoic Matt. This, this would show up on a, a fortune cookie in 2023. Be tolerant with others and strict with yourself. I think it's those are just good words to live by. You know, fair Jeff. Fair. I'm gonna give you a pass if you're late, but if I'm late, I'm gonna go beat so. myself with a paddle. I would, I'm not, that's I'm weird. Not gonna, I, I'm not gonna do that. I would, I would judge you for that, frankly. Yeah, be, be like that hey, weird, you, weird hey, cop in Boardwalk you, Empire. Could you just be tolerant with me, Jeff? <laughs> if you're flogging yourself, I'm. I'll, I'll, I'll allow, I'm not going to stop you. I'm just going to be like, yeah, Matt's got some going through some stuff. I'm not actually going to do that, but make sure that if you're, if you're not showing up on time for people that you're holding yourself accountable and you start showing up on time for people show up for somebody today, Jeff. Hey, I, I was here on time. That's true. And I was late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lesson not learned. Uh, uh, that's funny. You, you went with like full on life lessons. I'm I'm 41 years old at this at this point. Like I, I don't I I don't know. I, at this point, life lessons just they come like water in my basement, which is consistent. consistent. Look, I might have just one of those five, and it might have been the lasagna one with the noodle integrity. One of those five. Shakes. Yeah, it may have just turned someone's life around. Yeah, I I'm, go I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here saying don't trust six foot pitchers, and you're like. You're giving actual life hacks. I kind of like the don't trust six foot pitchers. It's it's something I had to learn, man. Like I was high on a ton of those guys. <laughs> Do you know who else I don't trust? Huh? Do you know who else I don't trust? Who? The five tent pitchers that are listed at six foot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's and, and also like everybody who's under five ten that's a hitter that's listed at five ten. There's like a hundred of them. And then they and then they get the triple A with the Hawkeye and they have to like have an actual like correct height. <laughs> All of a sudden they're five foot six. <laughs> oh yeah. George Barbosa from the Diamondbacks, I think, lost three or four inches going to triple A. It's very it's real. Tough. It's it's real. It's very real. Yeah, that was like a Zoolander voice. Um, all right. This is this is totally a Matt question here. It's the best book you read. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times. It's it's hidden potential. Honorable mention to the iconist. 
iconist, the iconist, the iconist. I think I said that right. But hidden potential, Adam Grant, everything Adam Grant puts out is gold. Um, go read all of his books. Organizational psychology makes you think think about things differently. Learning styles are a myth. Writing is important. The importance of doing things, making mistakes, all the things. I guess if you're of the mindset that there's a better way to do things or there's a way to continue to get better as you get older, Adam Grant is the guy to read. Hidden Potential, go pick it up. Just came out about a month and a half ago. Jeff, what do you got? All right. Once again, I am uh, not nearly as intellectual as Matt. So uh, I have a baseball book. It <laughs> It's not that new either. <laughs> it's, it's from a, a writer, ball. John Feinstein. He's written quite a few uh, books. He wrote a PGA tour book called uh, a good walk spoiled. That I think was pretty popular. Um, he also wrote the uh, NCAA basketball book, a season on the brink. Um, I think was turned into a movie. Um, Where nobody knows your name, life in the minor leagues of baseball. And uh, it was, it, he follows um, a variety of players, managers, umpires. Um, Charlie Montoya was the manager he followed. He was with Durham. Scott Pasednik, speedy little guy that was a uh, pretty good player when the, the White Sox won the World Series last time. Um, follows all these guys, different stories, just kind of gives you insight into the day-to-day things they're dealing with um, and just the chase for all these guys and how it's, very different the expectations the opportunities that are afforded um i think that there is uh some undertones of uh the exposure funnel that are kind of uh in this though it's never directly discussed of course because it was written over 10 years ago um but a really interesting book um that kind of goes through just some different perspectives from a player perspective in the minors and i feel like Something I struggle with at times is getting too caught up in what I see or know or making it too complex. And uh, I think this kind of just got it back to the human element and thinking about some of those things. So um, just good stories. I like stories. I like stories. Um, So, yeah, if you're into baseball books, I think it's a good one. And not one I've heard a ton of people talk about, but but I do think it's a worthwhile read. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that one up. And I still got to read A Good Walk Spoiled because I feel like I've been hearing about that one for years. Yeah, he's a really good baseball, uh, just a sports writer. And I think that that's another thing, too, is I just I try to read people who are from a a job improvement uh, training standpoint. I try to read people who I respect, who I think do things that I don't necessarily do well, like tell stories. (laughs) I can write a scouting report and I can communicate certain ideas. But uh, the idea of writing a, a big, long story and, you know, keeping people involved and interested uh, is something that uh, I don't think I've, I've, I've mastered yet. So um, yeah, that's the one for me. All right. right. We've gotten to that time in the show where we talk about sandwiches. Yeah, we should. It's 36 minutes in somehow this flew by. (laughs) 36 minutes in. If you're still with us, it's time for the main event. It's the payoff. Jeff, you had a, a creative little uh, exercise for us here, and I'm very much looking forward to this. So let's do it. Mm. So we are going to pick a sandwich to represent each of these five players that I have listed. Um, I picked a variety of body types on purpose. Uh, 
number one, first name that comes to mind. First name we're gonna we're gonna apply a sandwich to is the NL MVP. One of the most impressive offensive seasons that we've seen, Ronald Acuna Jr. Matt, you went first up on this one. Yeah, Ronald Acuna Jr. is a fat sandwich. And if what you're not familiar that? with a fat sandwich, it's got mozzarella sticks and chicken tenders and French fries and onion rings and all that piled all into the sandwich. It's got everything. Yeah, it's delicious, uh, but it's it's bad for you. <laughs> and Acuna has a little bit of that. He's an MVP, but like sometimes he dogs it. So like, if I'm a parent, I don't want my kid eating fat sandwiches. But if I'm a kid, I want as many fat sandwiches as I can get my hands on. Yeah, and that's Acuna. He's a little bit like candy. You know, you know he's not necessarily good for you in in terms of you know, certain ways he goes about his business. But you can't get enough. Ronald Cunha Jr., fat sandwich. Jeff, what do you got? I'm going to go with the Nashville hot chicken sandwich on uh, on Ronald Acuna. And here's why. I think there's some substance, you know, good good piece of chicken. If you get a good one, good piece of chicken. It's an enjoyable experience. But it's got some spice. It has some spice. And that spice might turn some people off. And I think that's what it is with Acuna. I think there is some spice that turns some people off. But it's a delicious sandwich. It's hearty. It's going to fill you up. And it's trending right now. You see the Nashville hot chicken sandwich on menus at all these bar places in your local town. Everywhere. And Acuna right now is trending. So I have a hot Nashville chicken sandwich for Ronald Acuna. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not bad. I, I, I like them both. See, I see the Nashville hot chicken sandwich everywhere. It's everywhere. You see Acuna everywhere right now. I just got a. I just got a baseball HQ's annual forecaster in the mail yesterday. Shout out to Chris Blessing and Ray Murphy and uh, and all the guys over there at HQ. Um, Brent Brent Hershey, of course, one of my favorite people in the industry. Um, and they got Acuna on the cover. So there you go. It's uh, it's hot. Cooney's hot right now. Um, next one I'm going to throw out here, Jose Altuve. You know we had to throw in Jose Altuve. He's small, but he packs a punch. Matt, what do you got? Jeff, Jose Altuve is a macaron. Like a cookie? It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich it cookie. It's a sandwich cookie. He's oh, a macaron. Oh. Yeah, the French ones. I'm, I'm. We make macaroons here, but the Italian ones with the coconut side. Yeah, the the French ones. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones that are like they're soft, they're chewy, but like if you wait it, if you wait too long to eat them, then they get a little bit like cracked, like they get cracked. Mm. Right, and that's you know Altuve is a little fragile sometimes. Recently, yeah. I'm gonna go with the White Castle jalapeno slider, and I'll tell you why. People are suspect about what the meat is made of at, at, at uh, White Castle. And they're suspect as to whether Jose Altuve is legitimate or not. He's got a little bit of spice in there. You know, he packs a punch. I could I could watch Jose, Jose, Jose Altuve play all day. I could also, while my wife is, this is a true story. When she went to her bachelorette party in Atlantic City, I sat with her brother at her mother's apartment. And I drank a case of beer and ate a case of White Castles. I got hammered and ate a ton of White Castle. And my stomach was trash for two days. 
I believe that. That is that's testing your willpower. I wanted to make it fun. His girlfriend came over and was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Crushing white castles and beers." I I want to know what the listeners think if they're actually listening to this segment on on who's winning here in the sandwich comps because I think we're off to a roaring start. Let's it's go, good. Dan Vogelbach. I'm going to let you go first on this one. All right. So it's funny because what you described with Acuna, it's kind of what I look at with Dan Vogelbach. It is it is an over stuffed overfilled sandwich but i'm gonna go with a specific one um is it uh what's the 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 carnegie deli like the really crazy uh stacked up um pastrami sandwich corn corn beef uh, or pastrami's that you see they're kind of the same deal where it's so big and it's so humongous and there's just no chance that you could possibly finish it um that's kind of how i look at bogabok it's just like he's just he's too he's too big He's too big for it all to work. He's a meatball grinder. He's in New York, you know. Meatball grinder. Like you just it. you open up the meatball grinder and and Vogel box in there somewhere. He's one of the meatballs. Mm. There you go. He's just a he's just a giant meatball. He's just a giant meatball. So Vo- actually, honestly, you open up the meatball grinder and you say you have four meatballs in there. It's mm. like Dan Vogelbach, Alejandro Kirk. Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> They're all just sitting in there smiling at you. <laughs> Creed Williams is rolling his way into that sandwich as well. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Aaron Judge. Oof. You have a, I want you to take Aaron Judge first because you have a very impassioned take on, on Aaron Judge. I don't do well aesthetically with pinstripes. Okay. I understand that Aaron Judge is a really good baseball player. I like Aaron Judge. I don't dislike Aaron Judge. I don't love Aaron Judge. I like Aaron Judge. He's fine. I like a wet Italian beef. Okay, so you take an Italian sandwich, you dip it in the au jus. It's a really, really good sandwich. A lot of people like Aaron Judge. A lot of people like the wet Italian beef. Aaron Judge and pinstripes. Aesthetically, it just doesn't do it for my eyes. Maybe it's because I was you know, born and raised in Massachusetts. A wet Italian beef isn't a very aesthetic sandwich. You don't look at a wet Italian beef and say like, ooh, that looks really good. But when you eat it, you're like, this is really good. Mm. Aaron Judge is one big, fat, wet Italian beef. (laughs) And I love Italian beef. You're a a son of a gun. (laughs) Wait, I wasn't talking it. I wasn't saying anything bad about the wet Italian beef. I was just saying it doesn't present well. Like Pinterest. I understand. Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, of a chicken um, cutlet sandwich that I used to get. I was trying to find the specific name. Oh, the Chicken De Parma at La Casha's Deli in either Medford, Massachusetts or in Burlington, Massachusetts. It's an excellent one if you're in that area. It's one of my favorite delis in the state of Massachusetts. It's an incredible bakery as well. They make the fresh bread, their cookies and cupcakes and all that sort of stuff. Um yeah, that was one where you had to you had to run five miles if you're going to eat that because you're going to you're going to hammer it. It's uh, the chicken de Parma, and it is a uh, homemade chicken cutlet with prosciutto, roasted red peppers, fresh mozzarella, basil, olive oil, all served in a sub roll. It is a humongous sub. It's big, and it's a lot of calories, but you can't help but finish that sucker because it's so good that I would put that sandwich on par with anybody. But it's unusual. 
because it's kind of a combination of a few different sandwiches. And uh, it's a it's a lot of stuff in that sandwich. You know, and I try to stay true to the Italian sandwich for the Yankees. I went with the Jewish deli for the Mets. I'm trying to keep things regional within with the teams and, and their fan bases and, and the types of sandwiches that you might find around those parks in those areas of the city. So that being said, that's where I'm coming from on Aaron Judge. I like Aaron Judge. I'm a big fan. I don't mind pinstripes. They're thinning. I care about that. It sounds like a great sandwich. It's an incredible I, I, sandwich. I would order that sandwich. Oh, it's it's a great one. It's one of the, it's one of my favorite sandwiches. If I had some sort of catchy phrase like immaculate eats, I might go there and, and try it out. There's also yeah. a place that's serving chopped cheeses in Burlington. I almost want to go to a Lakasha's and do an old style bang bang and hit chopped cheeses are on trend, Jeff. I'm starting to see them pop up everywhere here yeah. in Denver. Everywhere. I and it's just it's literally a hamburger, man. Like if you watch like those get made, like if you watch whoever that dude is, raw money or whatever it is on Instagram, you know, the one. Sure, make it the Aki way, that guy. Then you add the peppers. Can't forget the drink. Bev, never, never, never. No, um, it's just a hamburger, dude. He just chops up a hamburger and cooks some some peppers. I like made one at home and was like, I'd rather have a steak and cheese. <laughs> Jeff, I'm, Jeff, I'm, I'm not the one. I'm not the kind of guy to call cultural appropriation, but cultural appropriation on on the chopped cheese being a trend right now. You think so? That you belongs think- in bodegas in New York City and, and nowhere else. There you go. All right. The final one. This is going to be tricky. Chris Sale. What kind of sandwich is Chris Sale? This one wasn't tricky for me. And I, this might not make sense to anybody listening. And it might not make sense to you, Jeff. But the first thing that popped into my head when I tried to associate Chris Sale with a sandwich was the number six, the veggie at Jimmy John's. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because he looks like a carrot stick or or like a, a stick oh of God. celery. You know, like he like that's what I think of. So I just think of a vegetable and then I'm just like the veggie. And I remember it was during Lent back when I was working at USA Baseball and uh, Mark Dvorak, who I was working for at the time, called in Jimmy John sandwiches because we were working late on a Friday and I couldn't have meat. So like I was like, yeah, give me the veggie. I took two bites. I don't care how hungry I was. I could not eat that thing. Should have gone with a tuna. Yeah, I'm not really a tuna sandwich guy. No, oh, I like no. I like tuna. But anyway, the uh, the number six, the veggies, Chris Sale, and I'm sorry, Chris. It's just not, that one doesn't have any cute explanations. That's just what popped in my head. Jeff, what do you got for Chris Sale? What are, I'm trying to think of the name. What are those things? Um, uh, the uh, the like wrapped up deep fried like mexican roll-ups thin taquitos Taquitos, exactly uh i think chris sale is a taquito that's not a sandwich yeah it's kind of a sandwich it's stuff in the middle it's a roll-up it's just a deep fried roll-up it's a wrap a sandwich no it's a wrap (laughs) but he is uh and he is a very he is a very thin long wrap yeah, I mean, I think the other one that you could go with is like if you're at the grocery store and you're trying to find your sandwich bread and you're trying to cut on calories, you buy the sandwich thins. Oh, the sandwich thins. He's like a homemade deli sandwich on on like a whole grain sandwich thin. Yeah. 
Sorry, Chris. I feel like we're not doing you justice. You're a tough mofo on the mound, and we love to watch you. That's why I, I liked the, the taquito because he had that brittle out, outer shell that kind of protected him a little bit, and it was filled with gooey goodness in the middle, like an ace, you know? Yeah, you were nicer to Chris Hill than I was. Yeah, I was. I was nicer to Aaron Judge as well. All right, Jeff. We got. Uh, I, I'm going to pick a couple of these last ones here and throw them out there, and then we're going to wrap this thing up put a bow on it, put it under the Christmas tree There you go, and save it for last so that we can open it up and relive all of the players that played on the Cape this past summer. Um, your favorite baseball moment from 2023. Oh, oh man. Um, I did not think about this one at all. <laughs> um, he laughs. It's his, his prompt. Yeah, right. It was my question that I wrote. I just never thought about it again. Um, ah, man, I mean, like my real favorite baseball moment from 2023 was uh, when my son scooped up a ball at shortstop and threw an absolute like missile to first base and hit the guy like right in his glove and, and beat him in, in like a double A game, which was that like, counts. That doesn't counts. Happen, yeah. doesn't happen very often. So it was it was a rare play. And for about a split second, I was nervous he was going to break the kid's nose, but he caught it. So it uh, it all worked out, and he got the out. So that was probably it was probably my favorite baseball moment. A lot of stuff with with my youngest, maybe like going to Katuit camp and watching him do his thing, and just having fun, uh, bothering bothering Caleb Loma Vida constantly, which was good. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Matt McLean's big league debut and first hit. There we go. Uh, yeah, it was cool because it was in Denver, right? So uh, having the opportunity to be there, the McLean family's awesome, um, and you know Matt treated his first game like it was just another day at the yard, and he got his first hit out of the way, and it, it was really neat to see all that in person. So um, yeah, Matt McLean's first hit. Mm. Nice. Got some good stuff there. All right, you got any other questions you're gonna throw out or? Oh, yeah, I, I do want to ask you uh, about this. If you could have one tool from any big leaguer, what would it be? That was a good question. It was, it was a good question that you put on here. Mm, mm. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I, I always go back and forth between power and speed <laughs> pretty consistently. Um, so I think, I think it might be Corbin Carroll's, like, speed like i i want to be that fast you know my workouts would be much quicker if i could run that fast yeah i I mean it's a little bit of a superpower i'm gonna go with kevin kiermeyer's center field defense i love it yeah 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 love me some kevin kiermeyer so um yeah i mean that's that's about all i got there for you jeff you said something about a hamburger topping i think uh i'm having hamburgers tonight for dinner make them on the flat top and i'm gonna do pan fried mushrooms on top of the burger and i you know it's that's not like a common burger topping pan fried mushrooms but caramelized onions man for me i love some caramelized onions on top of the burger you know that's an excellent pick you know because onion straws are also great on it you could you could have you know you could have like a more mayo based type of sauce or something you know or you could just go you could go standard with that you could put you know lettuce bacon you know bacon lettuce tomato ketchup mustard on that sucker and Still perfect. You can put barbecue sauce on. You can put A1 sauce on it if you really want to get down. And uh, you know, maybe even add on if you have some of those uh 
those like crispy onion things that the French's ones that come in the container, throw some of those on top of it. Yeah, like the salad topping. Knockout right there. Burgers are beautiful. So versatile. Put anything on that thing. I had peanut butter and jelly on a burger at some point this year. I can't remember where it was, but it happened. I don't know if I could do that, but I'm just saying it's versatile. It is. It's versatile. Happy holidays from the 90th percentile. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. That's it. All right, we'll see you in 24.